Well, this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, so if you have a Bible, uh, you're welcome to open up there with me. But as I mentioned, we, we're stepping into a new stage. I, someone asked me, how long have we been at this location? And honestly, I don't know the answer. Uh, it's longer than I've been here. Uh, it's longer than the pastor before me has been here as well, right? Like, I think we're three pastors. So that's, I'm six, Tim's two, uh, Dan was six or something as well, right? Plus some time to, to find and hire me too. So it's a long time. We've, we've settled into this building well. And when we had the toss team go through the basement, uh, we proved that. Well, we've been here a long time. Stuff has been stacked up. And so we're, we're moving into a new era in the history of Trinity Bible Church. And there are a lot of emotions that come with that. There's a lot of uh, kind of wonder. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of questions. And there, there is some, some comfort and certainty when you know that, hey, on Sunday morning, we're going to show up at 1717 Bow Valley Trail, and you can kind of know what to expect here, right? And I know that, again, I've been here about six years, and I know pretty much what to expect whenever I walk into the building, whether that's during the week to head into the office or Sunday morning. There's always something that needs to be shuttled around, but basically I know what's going to happen and I know it's going to be okay. But now that we're heading into a space that's different and we're heading to, into a, a, a time or even an, an era of our church that looks different, there's, there's some questions. How's it going to work? Is it? I was talking with someone this morning, I said, so many times the plans work well in my head, but then when we step into those plans, there's all kinds of unforeseen things that we couldn't have planned for and, and, and weren't ready for and and how is it going to work? The question of when are we actually going to move into our new building? Because it hasn't even broken ground yet, right? And so there's all these, these questions. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not always comfortable in uncertainty. Maybe it's just me. But at the same time, it really does give us as, as a local church some opportunity to ask some really great questions as well. Questions like, who are we? Why are, why are we here? How do we fit within the, uh, the, the religious culture of the Bow Valley? What's, what's our place within the groups of churches that are here? Why do we exist? And so this morning, I, I do want to start with you thinking about uh, these questions, and one specific, you don't have to answer out loud, but the question really is, is who are we and who belongs here? Whether that's at 1717 Bow Valley Trail for this weekend next, or at, I've got to memorize the address, I think it's 306 Bow Valley Trail, somewhere down the other end. At least they're both on Bow Valley Trail. But who belongs in our gathering? Who are we for? What kind of person feels welcome when we open the doors? And I know for many of us, right away, we'll say, well, everyone. Of course. And that is probably the right answer. But what if an everyone walked in the door right now? Would they agree and say, yes, I actually do feel welcome here? Would you and I welcome someone into our, gather, our gathering who voted differently than us in the last provincial election or federal election? We can all agree that town council is fantastic and made up for a little bit. So, right. would we welcome someone who has 
different views, maybe substantially different views on COVID and vaccines and masking and all the things. How would they feel walking here? What if somebody walked in who was a different religion? Maybe even wasn't sure if they were a different religion, but were a different religion walked into our gathering. What if someone who, who's not sure what they believed, maybe, maybe they don't believe anything, but for some reason they got the address wrong and instead of going for breakfast next door, they walked in here for coffee. Would they be welcomed? Would we welcome someone who is, who is struggling with or who confesses an addiction to drugs or alcohol or food or pornography or anger? What about someone who is hurting, lonely, financially stretched, someone who has been betrayed, someone who has been abused? It's Pride Week, so I'm going to go there. If someone walks in who's same-sex attracted, if someone walks in who feels like they were born in the wrong body, are they welcome here? We said that Trinity Bible Church exists to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that word transformed comes from the same uh, root word as metamorphosis. Do you know what metamorphosis means? Is it a subtle change, like a getting a haircut and a shave? No, it's a, it's a radical change, not just an adjustment. See, we want to be a church where people come face to face with Jesus, who get to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Master and Leader, and who have their lives radically changed, and people who flourish into the one God created them to be. We exist for people who are searching, questioning, wondering, hurting, struggling, needing, hoping, uh, and healing, and need healing. But Jesus is the one who gave us this mission, of course, in Mark, 12, uh, Mark 2, 17, he said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but it's the ones who are struggling. It's the ones who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, the ones who think they have it all together, but I came to call sinners. We're in a series that will wrap up our time at this location called We Are the Church. And so again, we're in Mark chapter 2, and that's where we'll hang out with uh, this morning and, and kind of get at some of these things. And when this chapter opens up, when Mark chapter 2 opens up, uh, we find Jesus back in the city of Capernaum, which is kind of like his home base. This is kind of where he set up shop, and he, he went out and came back from, from here. Uh, when word got out around Capernaum that Jesus was home, People started to gather around. They found him. They came to him, and they just wanted to hear him. They wanted to, to be near him. So they, they, they found out where he was, and they came to hear him teach. And so that's, we kind of step into that moment here. What maybe started as a small group, Jesus came, came back and, and had a couple of his friends with him. Maybe he was trying to grab lunch at a, at, at a family he knew's house. And this really big crowd started to gather in the house. And look what it says in verse 2. So many people gathered together that there was no more room in the house not even in the doorway. It says Jesus was preaching the word to them. He was, he was giving them his message of hope. And then we read this in verse 3. Some men came to bring, uh, bringing to him a paralytic. Uh, the man was carried by four of them. And since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. 
Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is a, this is a great story. And if I had to pick favorite stories in the New Testament, this is probably on the list. I don't know where, but it's up there. And what I want to look at this morning is the different types of people that are in this story. And as a bit of foreshadowing, those same types of people in this story are in the church, in the room today as well. Okay, so there's, there's a number of types of people in the story who are also in the church. And as we go through these types, chances are you will see yourself, maybe once, twice, maybe three times even. So first, in every church, you will find someone in need. You will. In this story, that's the paralytic who was unable to walk. He was unable to get himself to Jesus. He most likely would have been a beggar, which is great. Arnie, I appreciate that we got to sing that song this morning, that actually we were beggars and Jesus has made us royalty. So this is, you know, it lends us right into this story here. He wouldn't have been able to work. He would have been completely dependent on other people to meet all of his needs. Just to get around, we, we can read here, he needed to sit on some sort of mat and have other people pick him up and walk him around. He's not named in the story, but we're going to be talking about him a fair bit, so we're going to give him a name, and we're going to give him the name Matt, because that's easy to remember. In our churches, there's always someone like Matt. Hopefully there are not Matts in here that thought about that. I like Matt Newman, he won't be here in the first, he'll be here in the second. I have to come up with a different name. But there's always someone in need when we gather, and many of us find ourselves here this morning. And just to be completely crystal clear, there's nothing wrong with being in this group. In fact, it's, it's a great thing to recognize yourself in this group because the church exists for people in need. Maybe you're experiencing grief or loss. Maybe you're battling with anxiety or depression. Maybe you're going through trials or hard times. Maybe you feel alone, abandoned, betrayed. Maybe you're not sure who you are or your purpose in life or why you're here or why this thing is happening or, or why this thing happened in the past. Maybe, again, you're continuing to try to fight through an addiction and you're just about to give up hope that you can ever overcome this thing. Listen, you are welcome here. And we love you. And at different times, every single one of us will find ourselves in this category. In every church, you will find someone in need. Second, in every church, you'll find someone who cares. And they're all over the place. Chances are you're sitting next to one of them, actually. If not, right beside you, probably in front or behind you. And in this story, this is the four guys that, that brought Matt to Jesus. And we don't know much about these four guys, who they were, what their relationship with Matt was. But the point is, these four guys heard about Jesus, heard that he was back. Maybe they'd witnessed some of his miracles in the past or, or heard the stories of, well, Jesus gave sight to the blind guy here. He healed the leper here. He raised someone from the dead. I mean, Matt's just, his legs don't work. That's easy if you can raise someone from the dead. And then they saw a man in need and they picked him up and they brought him to Jesus. And instead of looking at this beggar on his mat, trying to find someone to help him meet his needs, they looked at him, and instead of wondering, what did he do to deserve this? 
Or instead of thinking, man, that guy must have made some bad choices in his background. I'm glad I didn't make those choices. Instead, they did something about it. And they picked him up and they took him to Jesus. We don't know how long this journey was. We don't know if it was just like the, other, the next corner down the house. Maybe it was the next street over. Maybe it was the next town over. We're not told because it doesn't matter. They saw a need and they did something about it. And whatever it took, they were going to get Matt to Jesus. And there are, are, are lots of these people in the room. And I'm so regularly overwhelmed by you because saying thank you just doesn't seem like enough. But thank you. Every church has people in need, and every church has people who care. And so the four guys, they pick up Matt, and they take him to, to the house where they've heard Jesus is teaching, and then there they actually find another type of person. They get to the house. Remember what they found? It was packed. It was full. There was no room, not even in the door. There's, there's no way anyone else could get to Jesus. So what kind of people did they find? They got there, and they found someone, people, who were preoccupied. I want to show a, a bit of a picture of what this house might have looked like. Uncle Google helped me find this uh, 3D model. There it is. If it was uh, not in the slide, you could take your mouse and spin this thing around. It was actually pretty interesting, something like this. This is what a, a typical first century Jewish home might have looked like. Uh, the walls were kind of made of a, a kind of um, volcanic rock and, and sealed up. And on the roof, you can see those the beams sticking out the side on the kind of the right side there. You would have had these beams put across about three feet apart. And then the beams would have been covered in, in layers of, of straw and clay and manure. And when it would rain, the clay would absorb the water and kind of expand and seal up the roof. And, and sometimes, as you can kind of see there, there'd be some space on the roof. You might do some gardening. It might be a space to kind of lounge and, and whatever else. And in that culture, the door, the door here is closed in the picture, but if the door was open, it meant come on in. And so the guys bring Matt, and they find an open door, but it's so packed with people they can't get to Jesus. And the people around, they were, they were good people. They were here to hear from Jesus, but they were preoccupied. They were listening to his teaching. They were hearing the word, but they also had their backs to the person who was in need who had just showed up. And inadvertently, they were blocking his way to Jesus. Again, these were, these were good people. They were gripped by his words. Maybe they were taking notes so they could discuss what they'd heard Jesus say at their small group during the week. Maybe they knew their scriptures. They prayed. They went to synagogue. They listened to Shine FM on the car, and they downloaded all their favorite uh, pastors' uh, podcasts and worship music for when they were traveling or walking. But without knowing it and without meaning it, their body language essentially said to this person who was trying to come in the door, sorry, no room for you here. Our little Christian circle, our little huddle with Jesus, we've got enough people. This is part of the reason why we run two services here. This is part of the reason why we've been in a five-year building campaign. This is part of the reason why we're moving to Kangolf, because we can sit I don't know how many, more than two services here. And it's definitely the reason why the, the building we hope to build will be able to seat triple, at least, what we've got in this room right now. Sometimes this describes us. It describes me. 
preoccupied. When we get together, we're, we're thinking about other things. Okay, on Sunday morning, I need to make sure that this is plugged in. I need to make sure this is set up here. I need to talk to this person, and this guy has a book for me, and this, and, 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 and then I got to get home for lunch because the kids have an activity afterward. By being so focused on me and us and my needs, we wind up turning our backs on someone who has come in need. So the guys can't get Matt to see Jesus, but they're maybe about to give up, but they decide not to. Instead, one of them maybe says to the others, hey guys, I, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but with God, there's always a way. And so they look at that, that picture, if we can throw the house back up for a second, and they notice, oh, there's, there's stairs on the side. This is going to be fantastic. And so they head up onto the roof. They can maybe hear the sounds from below coming through, and so they kind of like, okay, what's going on in there? Ah, Jesus is right here. And they start digging. Now think about this. We, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned it quick, but I mentioned what the roof is made of, right? For I don't know how long when I heard this story, I thought of like, um, if you've got a drop ceiling, just like popping a tile up and moving it out of the way, and then, right, like, but no, they, they, this would have taken time. It would have caused a ruckus. And it wasn't just like dig a, a little hole, but they had, to get a, they had to lower somebody through it, right? And so the <clears throat> stuff that made up the roof would have been falling into the room on all the people down below. But then they dug it big enough so they could lower Matt down and put him right in front of Jesus. Nothing stopped them. And look what Scripture says about Jesus. He says, seeing their faith, Jesus said, seeing their faith, he told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Think about this. Why did the guys bring Matt to Jesus? For healing. Legs didn't work. He's paralyzed. He's got a physical problem. But when he's lowered down in front of Jesus, what does Jesus want to deal with first? I love how one writer puts it. By the grace of God, Jesus gives us what we do not deserve and can never earn. Our sins forgiven, healed, and not held against us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And this shows us something really, really important. Sometimes God gives us what we need before he gives us what we want. It's really important. These guys brought Matt for healing, and Jesus gave him forgiveness. I don't know what's going through Matt's mind at this time. I don't know what I, how does that help me? My legs still don't move. Now I'm a spectacle. I already hate being a spectacle, sitting on the side of the street begging. And now these guys have dropped me through this dung roof in front of this man who is maybe going to heal me. And all he says is, my sins are forgiven. I don't even, I can't move. How can I sin? Some of us are here right now. We're, we're asking God for this thing, but he wants to give us something else first. Sometimes we've got to pay attention to that other thing. And I, I, I can feel this one, even from just recently. I, I'm, I'm uh, kind of wrestling through uh, all the things, back to school, the move, put the list on, right? And I'm taking them to God. I'm asking God for wisdom. I'm asking him for help in this area. I'm asking for help in this area. I'm asking for help here. And, and, and like God, just, just show up and we need all these things. But what God gave me, first, I'm hoping the answers still come, 
But what God gave me first was this word, his admonition. Hey, slow down and be with me first. All these things you're trying to do, if your soul's not good with me, you can't handle that. Jesus, don't spend some time with me first. So to this man, your sins are forgiven. In every church, you see people who are in need, people who care, people who are preoccupied. You also see someone who's critical. Look how the verse of the story continues in verse 6. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? Remember, all he, Jesus has said is, son, your sins are forgiven. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, at least on the right track, I guess, with their criticism, right? They're critical of Jesus. They don't like what's happening. The things Jesus is doing, it's, it's shaking them out of their comfort zone. Hello, we're about to move. No more comfort zone with 1717 Bow Valley Trail. Jesus is, is challenging what they know and believe and have studied. It's change. And Jesus actually doesn't have a whole lot of time for his critics here. That's another message for another day, I guess. But the text tells us, we read that they were asking these questions in their hearts, but the text tells us Jesus knows their hearts, which is always a little scary because I also know my heart. And so why hide those things from Jesus? Let's just bring them to him, I guess. He knows what they're thinking, and he calls it out. Look at verse 9. Okay, which then is easier to say to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. I love this part. He says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That thing sounds easy. Those sound like just words. Let me back it up with something that's pretty hard. He turns to Matt and he says, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. I love it. And what happened? He got up, he picked up his mat, and he went home. In verse 12, it says, And as a result, everyone around, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Jesus gave this man what he needed before giving him what he wanted. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. That's the hard work. Take up your mat and go home. It's crazy, right? Like, sometimes we've heard these stories so many times, we're like, yeah, he just turned to pick up his mat and walk home. It's crazy, right? We should be a little excited about this, I think. We don't know how long Matt had been paralyzed. We don't know how long he'd been on the mat, but... but he stands up and walks away. How many of us have gone through like physio and rehab for an injury? Does it happen right away? No, it does not. No one, the four guys didn't lower themselves to the hole to come find Matt, pick him back up, carry him off to physio or rehab. He stood up by himself, done, legs, made new, and he walks out of the room. And Jesus says, don't forget the mat, take it home but you don't need it anymore. You know what? This morning, God might be saying something like that to us as well. We often say, or we try to, I try to often say here, and our worship leaders do as well, that when we come, we want to come with an attitude of expectation and anticipation that God's actually going to speak, and God's actually maybe got a word for us or an encouragement for us this morning. And so maybe this morning, God's saying to you, hey, your sins are forgiven. 
take up your mat and go home. Take that, that thing you feel like you need to cope with life, like take it away, but you don't need it anymore. Whether that's, I, I don't know, drugs or alcohol or, or, or food, whatever, whatever that crutch is, you don't need that anymore. The Holy Spirit's at work in you. That, that grudge you've been holding, just let it go. Let me deal with that, Jesus says. All it's doing is hurting and poisoning you. That, that shame that you keep heaping on yourself from those things that happened in your past or those, those, those habits you're still trying to break, let me take those, Jesus says. You're forgiven, you're healed, go. And go tell someone about this. Invite them, tell them what Jesus is up to in your life. Now all these kinds of people are in every church. And we'll get that list back up on the next slide. Someone in need, someone who cares, someone who is preoccupied, someone who is critical. Which one are you? You might be a couple, you might be, you might be all of them. Which one are you this morning? Maybe you most identify with the someone in need, and I'm so glad you're here. Because this is a great place to come when you're in need. Jesus has all the time in the world for people who are broken and know it. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and worn out, and you'll find rest. It's also a great place to come when you're in need because you'll come and you'll find people who care. And if that's maybe where, where you land best this morning, it's amazing. Thank you. I know you're here. I know there are people here who care. I see it every single time we get together. Now, for those of you who, who say, yeah, this, this is it. This is where I land most. There's just a little bit of a caution, maybe, a little warning. Be careful about always being just this person. Sometimes we can get so fixating on our caring for others that we forget to take care of ourselves. Or sometimes we can use our caring for others and say, look how, look how much I serve here and here and all of the things I do here. And, and actually, we use that as a mask or a coping mechanism to not deal with what's in our own hearts. Or we can kind of talk ourselves into thinking, well, I showed up early, I set up chairs, I made the coffee, I did all these things, I, I cared for these people, I cared for this person. God's so lucky to have me on his team. Right? You've got to watch out that it doesn't turn into that, that works thing. God has to care for me because look at all the caring I've done. Let me invite you to let others care for you as well. And I know, uh, as I read the story and the text, I know that there's grace, and there's, there's so much grace for those of us who find ourselves in the preoccupied category. Maybe you, you, you come and you, you sing and you give or, or visit, and, but you're just kind of going through the motions. Sunday morning is a, is a checklist. I just need to get that little, little bump, check it off, and I can get on with the rest of my week and leave that religious stuff on Sunday morning. We don't ever talk about our faith anywhere else. We don't share our faith with anyone else. We never invite anyone else to the gathering. For those of you who, for those of us who are willing to admit that we're often in this preoccupied category, let me invite you to try a couple of things that um, I, I don't do perfectly, but I've been trying to do lately. First, just pray that God would soften our heart to see the world around us the way He sees the world around us, and to see the people in the world around us the way He sees them as well. When, when we we pray the Lord's prayer, and, and that's kind of one of the ones our family does around supper. Uh, the supper table sometimes we ask that 
uh, your kingdom come and your will be done, that's kind of inviting God to show us his kingdom and give us a chance to be a part of it. Another thing you could do is take time before different parts of your day, whether it's, you know, the, the, uh, the quiet, if there's a stillness in your house before breakfast, maybe seize that a little bit. If it's the stepping into work or the commute or waiting at the bus stop or whatever it might be, stepping into a meeting, just, just take different parts in your day and just ask Jesus, hey, is there anything you want me to know about what's coming next? Anything that, like, anything you want to say to me? Anything you want to encourage me with? Let me try to write that down. I've been trying to write that down a little bit the last couple of weeks. And when you're out walking, I, this, another one that I've tried a little bit lately, I saw you know, someone encouraged me on Twitter to do it, I think. I saw someone's post. When you're out walking around and you see other people, look them in the eyes, not for too long, so it's not creepy, but look at them and think, ah, there's someone made in the image of God. Ah, there's someone else made in the image of God. Ah, there's another image bearer. Ah, there's another image bearer. We'll change, it will change the way we think and act and feel. And it will remind us that, that, that they too, whoever we find, is made in the image of God, and Jesus loves them and died for them. And that will, that will start to, to break down those walls of preoccupation. And if you look at this list and you think, you know what, you know where I land most this morning is critical? Ask the Lord to soften your heart. And I've, I've been there. I've been around people who have been there. You can pray for things like this. And then I would say, uh, kind of try to dig into why you're critical. Why do, why do I feel so uncomfortable with this that I need to criticize this? Maybe it's, it's because we don't like change. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way it's always going to be. So any other way is wrong. Maybe, maybe when we dig and realize, you know, I, I'm actually just really comfortable here, and I like not being surprised. I don't like uncertainty, so I'm going to criticize other things to try to get my way to stay the way it is. The one that often seems to come up for me is maybe, maybe you're actually scared of this other thing. You lack understanding, and it's, it's easier to throw stones or darts or bricks or whatever than actually try to put in the work to understand what's going on. Why are we headed this way? And then pray about that. Which one are you? Are you the one who's in need? The one who cares? The one who's maybe preoccupied or critical? Well, there's one last, one last type of person and we, in every single church, we are all someone who can be changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. All of us. Every single one of us. The Bible tells us that if anyone, if anyone, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if anyone comes and gives their life to Jesus, they are a new creation. Who can be made new? This is a pop quiz. I just said it. Anyone. Anyone can be made. So then who is church for? This gets back to my first question, right? Anyone. Everyone. The new creation. The old is gone. Everything is made new. When you come to Jesus, you can find freedom. When you come to Jesus, you can find value and meaning and purpose and identity. When you come to Jesus, you can be set free from those habits or those addictions. When you come to Jesus, you can find life. When you come to church, you will find person after person who has been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. 
Can we pray for us? God, thank you for this morning. Jesus, thank you for this story in your text. Thank you for the Bible that shows us this picture of this morning, these different people, these different types of people, but also shows us the picture of your heart. Jesus, thank you that you give us what we need before you give us what we want. I pray that you would help us to reconcile those things in our minds sometime when we're, when we're not sure what's happening. Jesus, thank you for your grace upon grace upon grace that can help me when I'm critical to see what's really going on in my heart and draw my heart back to you. That can, that can feed through my, my preoccupied self and, and help me to look beyond just me to the world around me. Give us eyes to see the world as you see the world. Jesus, thank you for this picture of, of, of what you did and the inspiration for us to be those who care as well. And Jesus, thank you that you came for the sick, for those who recognize that we are in need. And you gave your life so that our needs can be met. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.